we would tell them the less time we have to spend marketing to get new clients, the more time we can spend servicing and helping existing clients. Right. Uh, we would rather spend all of our time. We would rather spend 100% of our time just doing the thing we love to do. But unfortunately, business gets in the way sometimes and we have to go out there and drum up new business, which then takes us out of the ability to just get better and better and enjoy, enjoy more of doing this thing that we want to do, right? Yeah. Uh, so the less we have to do of the marketing, the more we can do of the service. Hello, hello. Welcome to another Backstage Business episode. Today, I am bringing back Jason Fladlian. We had an episode on May 6th of this year, 2019, and it was so good. We could have talked forever, and I was like, you have to come back. And so today, I said, let's do something interesting, and I would like to talk to you as if I were a client. Hey, Jason, what are some things that you can do to help me either get more leads, help me really get out of the leads that we are getting and the prospects we're getting, get the most and really work with those clients we love. And that's what this interview is about. So I'm basically, I'm like, I'm like a client doing a coaching call in a sense with Jason on this interview. And it's pretty awesome. So you'll want to pay attention and listen in, especially if you are in a service-based business. And in our case, you are selling something that is a high ticket item. Really, a lot of these strategies that he talks about can apply to most businesses, but especially if you are looking to not necessarily increase the amount of clients you have, you're looking for new business, but you're also really trying to leverage the clients that you do have and find more like them, especially the ones that you really, really love. And that's that's what our goal is in, in business is it's more about the quality of people that we get to work with and having that alignment where we get each other, we really bring value to them and we we get so much fulfillment from working with them. Lots of great stuff in this interview. And if you can take a take a listen back to the May 6th episode if you haven't heard it already, where we are talking with Jason Fadley and he is like incredible, incredible, amazing marketer. I mean, Google his name and you'll find all of the things. He's responsible for so many things that marketers are doing today. He's a webinar genius and he just comes up with sales funnels that are ridiculous. Like he's the type of guy I should actually be talking to every single week and you could be learning new new sales funnels that you can build that are just phenomenal. But we can only share so much at a time. So have a listen. Can't wait to hear what you think and enjoy. Jason, you're back. Wow. <laughs> Here you are. Here you are. Not once, but twice on, on our podcast. And I'm so excited. Me too. Okay. So... Here's what we're going to do today, which I'm I'm really stoked about, and I think that anybody listening should re- be really, really interested and make sure they pay attention because we're going to use me and the draw shop as a guinea pig for your for your expertise and your genius that you have. And you don't have to pay me for it. 
And I don't have to pay for it. That's the best part. (laughs) (laughs) Although it might lead me into paying you for something because I know you're going to be that good at it and I'm going to want more. So you never know. I would not be upset if that were to occur. (laughs) All right. So here's what I'm talking about. So I'm looking at the draw shop and what we do. And we are a high-end video marketing service. So we produce animated videos. And they're not the cheap ones. They're not the ones where you buy software and do it yourself. They're also not the ones that you go on Fiverr and hire somebody for 200 bucks. Like we are the real deal. We've got high-end copywriters, editors, artists, all of it, voiceover artists. And when you're selling high-ticket items, it's, it's a longer process to close the deal. And you, I've seen you in so many presentations and talks, and it blows my mind what you have come up with for your clients and what you've taught other people in terms of building that building that funnel and building, getting that person at the like $5 level or the free level and actually getting them to pay thousands of dollars. So I was like, let's use me as a guinea pig. Hey, Jason, I'm looking for another way to get leads instead of just the, you know, here's an ad, here's what we do, buy us now, marry us now. So can you help me with that? Oh, totally. There's a whole process involved in this too, Summer, which is fun. It's like an unconscious process for me at the, at the, the time. I should really document this because there's like a mental checklist I go through with these particular situations. Yeah. Uh, and I know you and I talked about this briefly last time we were in each other's presence of some oftentimes we want new leads when the reality is we should first look at what we're doing with existing leads. Yes. Because a dollar is a dollar, whether it comes from somebody who never has paid you a dollar before, or it comes from somebody who's already paid you once and get them to pay you again, still a dollar. So uh, the first place I always look at is who in our existing customer list or client list has shown me that they were smart enough to pay me money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In the past, right? I mean, they got to be smart because they realized it was a good decision to invest with me. And now it's great. So now we have a pool of clients. So out of all of our clients who's invested with us, you could put parameters around it, recency, all that stuff. But originally, I just say, let's not. Let's just find out anybody who's ever given us money in the past Now, we have two options with these people. The first option is to sell them the same thing again. So like draw shop, for example, if if a client has one draw shop video, that's great, but isn't two even better for them. Right. I mean, one draw shop video, no matter how good it is, isn't going to solve every single problem in that business. It's going to solve a problem, maybe even a couple problems, and it's going to help them in a variety of different ways. But oftentimes I've noticed here's a psychological principle that is like a limitation in most of our brains is we've done it, it's done, therefore let's move on to the next thing. And if we don't help people out of that trap, we limit their ability to get the most benefit that we can offer to them. So I would immediately say, okay, what clients are the best clients to do another draw shot video with me? So we're not necessarily selling them something different. We're selling them something that they've already bought in the past, but they, I'm sure there's another application for them. So this is really fun if you, if you want to be a little bit prepared, um, which I sometimes am, although usually I come out like half cocked and just, you know, shake things up and see what happens. Uh, <laughs> you know, but it, a little bit of preparation goes a long ways is if we were to look at and analyze your, your clientele. 
and say, yeah. what are the different use cases? What are the different reasons people come to us to have a draw shot video created? And just off the top of your head, Summer, like what are some of the more repetitive or the things that people te- tend to gravitate towards you the most? Like what are the different types of draw shot videos you seem to create over and over again? Okay. So the ones that are sticking out top of mind are like for biotech companies, for example, they're constantly coming out with new technologies and solutions. Um, Maybe it's machines and they have a difficult time explaining how it works and they have to get that message out super fast, train people up on it and get them understanding what it is that either they're selling to other people or getting their teams aligned with, hey, here's what we're launching this quarter and you need to know what it does. So you've described to me what I would classify as two different types. First is a product announcement video. Let's just call it that. We have this new thing, new tech, new whatever, new widget. It's coming out and we're letting our clients know about it or letting the world know about it. That's exciting, right? So I categorize that as a product announcement video. We should come up with a sexier name, but whatever, that'll do for now. Uh, Second category is internal company announcement. So helping the team understand what's happening and getting them all on the same boat together, going in the same direction, right? So to me, those are two different functions. Now, maybe one video could encapsulate both of those functions, but certainly there are companies that need to unify internal communications and there are companies that need to announce products. And so, you know, most most clients that you have, I imagine they probably have more than one product, right? Yes, correct. So it's like, if they use it for this product, is that like, is that like their favorite child? I mean, don't they love all their children the same? Shouldn't they do it for their other Right. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where I would look. I'm like, who do I know? Uh, and even if you can be proactive, this is super helpful to the client because no matter what service you sell, you want to be of service. And so having a process developed at some point in time, especially if you test this and it works out, would be like, let's put a feeler out. Let's put some spies on our, our clients to see when they launch new products. Let's get on their email list. Let's follow them on, you know, wherever they're at, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, blah, blah, blah. And let's keep an eye on when they launch new products because oftentimes they launch them and they don't even tell us about it. And then we can follow up with them and say, hey, listen, I saw you just launched a new product. Uh, I noticed the last time you launched a product, you had us do a draw shot video for you. I was just curious if you want to have a conversation, if it makes sense to do that again or not. If so, here's how we can talk. And what we're doing here is I think of leads not like net new. I think of leads like let's get somebody in the pipeline to buy something, whether that's somebody who's been in our pipeline in the past or not, doesn't matter. We've just created a quote unquote new lead in the sense of a new opportunity for them to invest in what you have. So that would be a product one. The other one I would notice is if there's uh, companies, and this one would be harder to anticipate, but still the same, is maybe a company only uses you for product announcements. And you say, hey, listen, some clients also find it useful to use us not pointing externally at the market, but internally at the organization. And here's some of the benefits involved in this. It's not for every client, but it's for some clients. And, you know, if you're interested in exploring this further, we can have a conversation. Uh, so that's that would be the second category. What about, is there any other types of, of draw shot videos that you find yourself creating? Yeah, so we do, like, with some big corporations or people, like, we've done this with Uber, we've done this with 
Twitter or Netflix. It's like internal training videos for for their awesome. teams. So a lot of like human resources, a lot of like onboarding new employees, or here's like all that boring stuff that you get, like the manual that you get when you mm-hmm. first start working for a corporation. It's like, oh, yeah, nobody, uh, nobody does. And so this is like, actually, you know, we have these clients who've been doing this with us for probably over six years, I would say, and they just do them every, you know, they're just constantly updating them or whenever there's new stuff, this is how they make their announcements. So that type of, um, I don't know what the word is, but that ongoing information that their internal teams need or training, training new employees. Yeah. I call those procedure videos or training. Yeah. And so same kind of concept. If a company, if you're allowing a company to come to you and ask you to do those, that's nice. But if you're proactively going to those companies and establishing a system with them to be integrated actually in their company, so that way you have a mole in their company that knows when a new thing needs to be documented that isn't documented or a thing that is outdated in its documentation and proactively kind of anticipating that and then being of service, you can take people, clients who have already been using you and and stimulate them to use you more often or not rely on them proactively coming to you and asking, uh, being of service again, which is in a service business. Now, all this is easier said than done because we got to keep the lights on. We got to manage our employees. We got to develop and, you know, do all that other operational stuff. And so like all of this is not done in a vacuum. We have to, you know, we always get busy. Uh, So it's always nice to just reflect, take a step back and look at if we were to do something like this, what could that look like and how could we implement it? So, you know, these are great ideas to consider. Ultimately, I would say if you can just pick one and integrate it, that's a huge win. But same concept here is cross-selling other clients. Hey, you've used us for product announcements, but did you know we also do documentation? We just did one for this client over here. It's pretty cool. I don't know if it makes sense to do it for your organization or not, but I'd like to find out or at least make you aware that this is some other way that we can help you beyond what we just did for you over here. Contact me if you want to know more information. And so now we are, we're, we're, we're going deep and wide. Uh, that's how I always like to think of it is we are getting the people that use us to use us more often. And then we're getting the people that use us over here to use us also over there as well. Because oftentimes clients would pay you if only they were aware of what you do beyond what they think you do. Uh, again, this is a psychological principle. Most people, you know, a brand, like I say, Nike and you think, you know, just do it. Right. Right. Um, But Nike does so much more than just the brand that we think that they stand for. You know, they sell more than just shoes or athletic gear. Um, There's all kinds of things. Same thing with even like uh, a Lululemon. We think of them as, oh, that's where, you know, yoga people go to shop, but there's like a million more things above and beyond that. So we template, we have to simplify things in our mind to understand them and to be aware of them. That's why branding is so important. But the downside of branding is if you get slotted and looked at as somebody who can only do blank, then you are limited in your capacity to serve that client. And so these are ways that we get around that. We can't educate them all at once, right? We can't say, oh, I do this, 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 and this, and also this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And they're like, eh. You Too overwhelming. Out. You probably don't do any of those things good. You don't do all of those things. <laughs> You overwhelm me, I'm out of here, right? So when we sell them, originally it's like, this is the one specific thing. 
that we do incredibly well in the one specific way that will help you very specifically in this one way, you know? Yep. yep. <laughs> and we, 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 we roll these things out in stages. So they're like, oh, that was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, we do this other one specific thing in this one specific way. And oh, by the way, we also, that thing we just did for you before, that's not like a one and done type of deal. Like, uh, there's no shelf life on the opportunity. We can do that again if you want. I don't know if you're interested or not. So th- those are all the ways that I would look at uh, originally. We always can go within usually before we go out. I think far too often clients go out. Now, the, the, the downside is like I got so good at optimizing the existing audience that sometimes then completely new, fresh blood doesn't come in. And it's kind of like, you know, closing all the, uh, the windows in a room and no oxygen gets in and you eventually die of carbon monoxide poisoning, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's a balance. Typically, the balance is this. People spend 80% of their time or more on new leads at the expense of their audience of existing clientele. We shouldn't spend 80% of our time on existing clientele and only 20% of our, on our new leads either. But we should probably spend at least as much, if not more, I would argue a a one to two part kind of focus. 66% of the time we're graduating clients to higher levels of services or to complementary services. And 33% of the time we're looking to stimulate with new clients. Now, here's what's awesome about this. Now, I don't know if it works in your specific industry or what you specifically do, Summer, but we always look for referrals, um, using existing customers to stimulate new customers or new clients. So we just would sit down and we'd say, well, first question is, do you get referrals? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And why do you think that is? Because of the experience that they've had and the results they got. Interesting. So they experience. Tell me more about that. I think that... Most people will say they loved working with our team, but I think the big thing that they love is that they were able to clarify and make something difficult, some type of messaging, super clear, and that we've, we took them through a pretty simple, easy exercise, but it was something that was simple, but very powerful. And they got so excited about it. So they're like, oh, I'm going to share, I'm going to share this with somebody else who happened to be looking for it. You know, yeah, or or somebody saw the video and was like, "Wow, that was really cool. We could use that in our business." And then they'll, you know, do the the intro email of, "Hey, wanted to introduce you. They're looking for a video as well to explain X Y Z." Right. So they get so thrilled with having worked with you because they've been experiencing this challenge of, "I have this incredibly complicated thing. I know it's complicated." but I don't know how to simplify it because I'm so wrapped up in it and I'm such an expert at it or I'm too close to it. And like magic, uh, with very little effort, I come out the other side and I have this thing that everybody can understand and it's clear and it's more powerful than anything I could ever do on my own. Something like that, right? Yes, yes. Okay. And so, yeah, when somebody has that totally, I call it a paradigm shift experience, it's very hard for them not to tell other people. Now, you know, if they tell like the Uber driver, it probably isn't going to drive, drive <laughs> new business to you, right? But if they right. hang out with other people who are qualified, as long as they don't feel like it's a com- competition, like, oh my God, I got this amazing, powerful asset. I don't want my competitors to have it because then I lose the advantage I have over it. As long as you can either not have that be an issue or bypass that issue, uh, you, can get, you can get referrals. Right. Now, 
the funny thing is, Summer, is some clients aren't even aware that it's okay to refer. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And how do you, I mean, that's, let's talk about that. How do you, how do you invite them without sounding greedy? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, what's the right way? You know, we have certain ways of asking, but like, what are, what that's do funny. you, what do you, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, Hey, I like great. It as greedy, right? Yeah. I mean, like, how dare you be a capitalist somewhere? Come on. Yeah, I know. And you know, I don't, but like some people feel that way. Oh, no, I, I, I don't want to ask right? that, or I don't want to have to, but you know, and, and then there's people that, you know, use certain ways of incentivizing them. And could that sound desperate? Could that, you know, these are the things that, right? that go through their mind. Right. So what, are, so what do you suggest? This is a great conversation. Uh, and it is related to what we're saying, although it's its own separate topic, which is uh, when you provide a service, you want a client to feel special. So if you're servicing the client and then asking them to get more just like them, they feel less special or they could potentially, right? Right. So there is this kind of balance where we don't want to take away from that customer's experience or that client's experience. We don't want to take them out of the moment, nor do we want to distract them from the thing that they're interacting with us on. So these are very legitimate concerns. The easiest way I have ever found when, when starting something like this, because if it happens automatically, which it does, then just a little bit of effort can accelerate it a lot. It's kind of like once a snowball starts rolling downhill, nobody's got to push it anymore. It just keeps going and it gets bigger. Uh, but what if you didn't get to the hill, you're at the top of the hill and just needs a little bit of a push, right? That's how I look at these things. So the simplest thing that says is just a simple PSPS uh, we're happy to take on uh, any clients that you refer to us and we treat them extra special because of the fact that they're referred by people like you, uh, something like that. Literally just a PS to an email or, or, or a communication. That is the simplest brain dead easiest way is if you just tell them, hey, it's okay for you to send people to us. And if you want to send somebody to us, it's as easy as blank. It doesn't have to be even a focal point of the conversation. It could be an email signature. Uh, it could just be put on whatever documentation you send them in a PDF. Like here's how our process, page one, two, and three documents it on page four. It says, if you need anything, contact me here. And oh, by the way, we totally love it when clients send their friends over to us. So we made it really easy. If you're interested, go here for more information, right? It can be done in a very, very light touch yeah. out of the way it's you know I call it the Columbo right like the old Columbo you ever watch Columbo like forever ago yes oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it's uh, it's definitely a legend of yesteryear right but yes, the whole concept yes. is is he would say okay we're done here and then he goes to the door and turn oh just one more thing right? Um, yeah. Almost as an afterthought. So that's how I think of that as the Columbo. All these young kids, these millennials listening to us gonna be like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> yeah. But whatever, you know, look it up, right? So that's one way to do it. Another way that here's what I really like to do. So this is what we did with a lot of our Amazon sellers, which is just selling, you know, $20 knickknacks on Amazon, but it's still the principle was always the same. We would tell them the less time we have to spend marketing to get new clients, the more time we can spend servicing and helping existing clients. Right. Uh, we would rather spend all of our time. We would rather spend 100% of our time just doing the thing we love to do. 
But unfortunately, business gets in the way sometimes when we have to go out there and drum up new business, which then takes us out of the ability to just get better and better and enjoy, enjoy more of doing this thing that we want to do, right? Uh, So the less we have to do of the marketing, the more we can do of the service. One of the ways that you can help us with that is if you you just send people to us. We would love that. And we even reward that. And then you could talk about incentivization there. Way more important than the specifics is the general strategy behind that. You are giving them a, you are giving them a reason why that is believable, first of all. And second of all, it does skirt past that issue of, well, I'm not special. If you're just trying to get me to send my friends to you, this, you know, that cheapens our experience together. It's kind of like going on a date with somebody and being like, do you have three other girls that are like you that I could also go on a date with, right? It's a great analogy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, that they will think things like that if it's not addressed, you know? So in their mind, it's not how it is, but in their mind, that's how it could be. But now you've now set the focus of them that says, they say, oh, yeah, I would rather you just get better at the thing you do so you can serve me better. So this totally makes sense that the less time you have to spend out of the field prospecting, the more time you can spend doing this thing. You know, and again, I personally, when I start with most, now if we're doing consumer-based stuff, lower ticket, not service oriented or not high-end or not luxury brand, as I like to think of it, we will just go straight to an incentive. But for the higher-end services, we test first without incentives, 100% without incentives. Uh, and then if they work, then we look at ways to roll the snowball down snowier mountains, if you will, right? If I have to bribe somebody in order to do it at the high end, and then I don't want to do it. I want to acknowledge something that happens automatically, which we've already just discussed. If we can do a little bit, put a little bit of structure around it and see if it does anything. If it does something awesome, now we can incentivize. If it if it barely does anything, barely moves the needle, cool. We just made some free money with something that took about a half an hour, maybe an hour to implement and roll out. Just a little PS here, a little PS there, a little note here, a little note there, right? And now the the, the referrals can be stimulated that way. Now, you know, incentives could simply be, my favorite incentive is the next time we work together, we're going to give you the ultra superstar special treatment which means that you get this service and this add-on that comes with it that normally isn't added on with it. Uh, or a discount is the dumber way to do it. I mean, I don't mean dumber in a, in a sense, I mean simpler, right? I don't like discounts summer because it, especially at high-end services, it cheapens the service. You know, it's like sales are something that like Target does or Walmart does. Uh, we don't want things on sale. So typically the way we enhance that is we add things to it. So we say, we also have this service over here that's normally X number of dollars, but because you're a superstar, VIP, amazing, one-of-a-kind customer, we throw that in in the future for you for free. Uh, You know, on one hand, if you analyze it like a marketer, you're like, cool, we're now telling them to spend more money with us. And you are right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We are future pacing the experience to use a, a persuasion terminology that we expect them to do business with us again but we will reward them for it. And then we are also in a sense, allowing them to know that we have other services, which are other services that they can even talk about and now tell their friends even more about. But the thing is too, is like we are now incentivizing them by giving them special deals on the future for their business. And if we can theme it in, you know, maybe the superstar, amazing, one of a kind, legendary friend package is not 
maybe that's a little too preposterous. I don't know. But if we could come up with a name, now we give a level of ascension to where people want to aspire to be that person. And, and how do you get in that club? When you just refer three people or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. And now, now we're using existing leads, servicing them more, getting more revenue from them, helping them, providing more value to them, and then utilizing them to get even more referrals than they're already getting. Uh, now, here's, now here's where it gets really fun. Uh, in business, we tend to, like, we'll go to a conference, right? And it'll be a conference on, like, what's a, what's a business conference that you recently attended a topic of or on or a subject? Like, what topic? Yeah, anything. Like topic? You paid or you went to a seminar or you studied even a book you read recently. Okay, so how about let's use StoryBrand. I recently got certified as a StoryBrand guide with Don Miller, Miller, which is all about clarifying your message. Yeah, story branding. And so like what's what's awesome is you go into that and that's all you talk about, think about and do for 2 days straight or whatever, right? Yeah, exactly. And then you don't realize that all of this stuff in business is super interconnected. And then next month, if you go to a different conference over something else, at least for me, that's all I think and breathe and eat and sleep for the next month, right? Right. Like, you know, if you have a hammer, everything's a nail. Well, these are just different hammers with different nails. But everything in business is actually interconnected. Now, this isn't a problem with the seminar industry or any particular trainer. It's like we all train in what we're most uh, effective at, and we focus a large spotlight on it. But all this stuff's interconnected because any new client I get in right now, if we establish a client value, we say this client is worth this much initially to us. Over the next year, they're worth this much. And over the life cycle of a client, they're worth this much, right? Yep. So if we can increase what an existing client is worth to us, and we can bake that into the process, then we make every new client automatically worth more to us, right? So right. If the initial client value is 30 grand. We don't have to raise prices even. It can still be 30 grand. But if we know we can now get them to buy twice as much in the next year as they otherwise would buy, and the profit margin stays the same, we've just doubled the one-year value of that client, which is awesome. And so every time we get a new client in, we make twice as much as we used to make with that client. And so that's why I always do the things like we start with the base, which is the existing client, because once that is valuable, that accelerates and adds value to every other part of the system that we're building. Uh, so like cross-selling adds value, re- rebuying adds value, stimulating word of mouth adds value because the more clients we get, the more clients that we can have do word of mouth. But then there's this other principle as well that we can pay more in order to acquire a customer. And on one sense, this is super obvious. Yeah. Uh, and it's been taught for a thousand years, it seems. But on the other hand, in business every single day in the real world, where we eat our young every Monday morning, I'm looking around the battlefield of business and nobody seems to do this. Almost nobody. They always look at how do we reduce our cost per acquisition? How do we lower our advertising budget and our marketing budget? How do we spend the same amount of money, but somehow magically get better customers or more customers? And, and that, you know, I guess that makes sense, right? There's a, there's a certain logic behind that. Uh, but I would, rather, I would rather drown out my competition from trying to whisper their poisonous promises in the ears of my clients and, and put, a, put a cage around them so they can't harm yeah. 
beloved, wonderful, beautiful clients that I know I can serve better than them, right? right. I don't give them the opportunity to try to screw up something of my clients. And so how do I silence them in the marketplace? I outspend them. I show up in the places that they're not at because most of online advertising and offline, it's a, it's a demand supply situation. The price of Facebook clicks go, goes up if there are more people bidding on it and bidding higher. The price right. of Facebook clicks go down, Facebook clicks go down if people quit bidding on them. I want the price to go up because I don't want my competition to be able to afford to advertise to them yeah. unless my competition is good. Most competition, I would say, is not good. You mentioned earlier the people on Fiverr, you know, 200 bucks. It's like, wow, that's a lot cheaper than what Summer does at the draw shop. Yeah, I mean, price and cost are two different things. The price is cheaper, but the cost is exponentially higher, right? Right. And the software, it's like, forget about it. But, but here's the problem. Those people, if they're out there advertising, saying, hey, we're better than having to pay somebody to draw these draw shop videos. We're, we're you know, like we provide a better experience and we cost a lot less. You've seen the advertisements, I'm sure, right? Oh, of course. Of course. Doesn't it piss you off? You know, it does. But like you said, okay, here's, here's a lot of what I'm getting from this, this whole conversation is number one, you do have to have patience. And that's why I'm so glad we're having this conversation because so many people do just want the new business, the, let me take your money now, do what we need to do and then be done. We're really at the end of the day, you know, especially in our business, we love, we love having those clients that we've had for years and years because they, they get your value and we, you know, we, we understand their business. It's more of, it's a relationship rather than just this transaction that happened. You paid us, we delivered, that's it. Let's get another one. And to be able to, you have to understand how, or you have to have the patience to get that person to be long-term. And it boils down to so many different things, you know, like what kind of experience are you going to make this for them so that they actually want to refer you to other people that are like them? Because typically when you get referrals, usually most of the time, they're awesome people that are going to appreciate you just like the person that referred you to them. So it's, which is awesome. And then there was, you know, you were talking about the, the competition. Oh my gosh. I totally had, had something that I was going to say to that. Dang it. I lost it. The big thing that I wanted to say was, is, is having that patience and, and just really like making sure that these experiences are really good because it does, it does pay off. And you look back and you go, wow, look at all of this that we have generated from that one person because of the, the effort that we, that we put in and also to let them see the value that we bring to make them want the other services that you do. Yeah. Here's what's interesting, Summer. You're not a startup, right? Right. And I typically, as a rule, don't work with startups when I do consulting, coaching services, and so forth. Because here's the biggest challenge a startup has. You are laying the concrete while you're walking down the road, right? Yeah. And we've all been there. It's like, I don't know how we're going to help this customer, but they're going to pay us money and we need money to make payroll. So let's just take their money and then we'll figure out a way to make it work, you know? And that's most businesses when they start out, or it's a matter of, I get a customer and then I have to stop customer getting activity so I can service the customer. Now I'm done servicing the customer. So now I got to switch back and get the next customer, right? And it's a vicious cycle until you 
get all the procedures in place until right. you have uh, all the standard operating procedures down until you really have optimized the service or the product or the experience or all of the above, right? Yeah. And so the, the upside of a startup is it's new, it's fresh, it's disruptive, it's agile, it's immediate, it can step into anything, you know? So it's like, you know, what new stupid policy did Facebook make this week? Well, I could step in and now take advantage of that new policy. So all these people that were doing it the old way that no longer can do it, I can scoop up all their business. There's a lot of value in being a startup and everything is exciting and fun and new when you're a startup and there's that energy that you have when it's fresh. That, that oftentimes makes startups powerful and effective and dangerous. The problem with startups, though, is they they don't have a well-oiled machine where you put the client in here and they come out the other end. Businesses that do have a well-oiled machine, and I would consider DrawShop to have a very well-oiled machine, we tend to, with those businesses, get stuck too much in the machinery. We get We know the process. We get complacent, if you will, with the process, or we just start thinking that our clients know things that they don't know because we live it every single day. And so for us, it's with a well-oiled machine type of business, like what you have an established service. To me, it's all about, we can now do baseline metrics. Well, a client is worth this much initially, a client's worth this much in a month, a client is this worth this much in six months and 12 months, because clients are going to keep paying you unless they right. have that, unless there's value, right? Right. So my like, how can I make a client pay me more money because I'm going to give them more value? Can I get a client to pay me a million dollars? Well, if I made them $10 million, I'm sure they would pay me a million dollars. How do we go about doing that? That kind of thing, right? Yeah. So we want to accelerate that value cycle, this positive feedback loop, if you will. And, and so what's great is we have an advantage over the startups and we have, I, I would say, a duty to our clients to not allow these people because startups will get desperate and say anything and everything to get a client. We have a duty to our clients to make sure to protect them from that kind of stuff. So we can spend more money and we can spend more time in terms of education. So it's like, uh, you know, this is why I like webinars, Summer, is I'm going to make you sit through two hours of education before I ever attempt to get any money from you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, listen, you want to pay me money? Ain't happening today. You got to wait until I properly educate you on the insights that most people aren't aware of that change how you look at and how you interact with blank. And so but it's, it's when it's whole- people are educated though, when say, no, they're what they're, they're just selling themselves then because they're excited that they learned something new. Now they're excited right. that this thing that you're talking about is actually something they can execute on because they get it. As soon as they understand, it's like, oh, I can, I can do this. But when yeah. they don't understand, that's when they're like, of course, they're not going to spend money on something they don't understand. So here's a great example. So I have a client right now. She is the 33rd biggest real estate agent in the country, right? Just a super duper rock star. And we're looking at a new vertical for her that we realize we think is a, a new I always look at dominating. I don't like to be number two because it's such a weak position to be in. So any position I want to be out in the marketplace, right? Yeah. Own it in its entirety. Entirety. We have to be the number one by and large, and and so we are looking at like just weird statistics. I learned working with clients is most sixty percent of the houses that are purchased right now, as it stands somewhere in the United States, are by first-time home buyers. Just the way the markets work now. Yeah, and I don't believe anybody's 
really lock that market down in the sense of being the one that can best serve a first-time home buyer. Because let me just give you another statistic. 63% of millennials who buy their first home are dissatisfied with their purchase. They are unhappy with their home. Now, it's really interesting because the time somebody does the most research on what home they should buy is after they buy a home that they don't like, not before, after. Right. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Because it's like you okay. kind of get in the mode and you buy it and you think it makes sense and you don't know what you don't know and you get emotional because you're tired. It's a long, drawn out process potentially. You're dealing with a professional who maybe doesn't have a good system in place and you guys just make impulsive decisions at the end. And then a month later, you wake up and say, How the hell did I get here? And okay, you just start looking at what the alternatives could have been just to torture yourself. I don't know, right? Um, yes, you just reminded me of what I was going to say earlier. What's that? <laughs> Okay. So I know we're, but it it relates to this. So you were talking about, you know, the, the different competitors. Now, when we first started the draw shop 10 years ago, we were like the only ones doing it. So, you know, it was, people came to us and it was just like, boom, this is what we want. But then when we did have all the competitors coming out with different softwares and things and just kind of, you know, outsourcing everything and yes, doing at a, at a much more, you know, at a cheaper level, it was, it was affordable for people. And so, so then it was like, okay, now we had these, this competition and people were going to them and what we kept, you know, people kept telling us, do not lower your price. Do not, you know, you guys are, are top quality. Don't, you know, don't get sucked into that. Cause people kept saying all the time, you should, you should exactly. And so we did. And so we did because we thought, well, no, this is like the differentiator. They don't have, you know, top notch copywriters. They're not, we're not using a software. People kept going, don't you want to scale this and, and create a software? No. Cause that's not what we do. That's totally different. We're not, we're not a gimmicky thing. Like the, the actual, reason we do what we do is to make messages super clear. Like we're all about the conversions, not just a cool hand-drawn video. And so we stuck with that. And what's interesting now, and this is where I was talking about patience before, is that it's like, it's turned around. So now the competition that we have actually works in our favor because people have either tried it and they're coming back to us going, Hey, we tried this company. We were trying to do it this route, but nothing happened. We didn't get an effective video. It was such a pain in the eye. You know, they're just complaining. And then, and now, or they'll just come and say, Hey, you guys aren't, we don't want any of that, you know, fake stuff happening. (laughs) So we're like, okay, so it worked in our favor, but it was having to, you know, stick that through and having that patience really to stay true to the value that, that you bring and knowing that it can, it can turn around. They do need to be educated. And sometimes you have to, you have to wait it out while they get educated. Yeah. And, you know, not run out of cash, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens all the time. But it, what's well, that's about- why you have to focus on the clients that you do have that love you. That's the thing. Don't always yeah. be looking out, like you said, for the new business. New business is great. But when those times happen and there always is, there's going to be competition is remember these people that you got and that you paid money to to get them and and nurture that relationship and keep working with them. You're bringing them value. So don't feel bad about taking their money. We, you know, yeah, <laughs> Summer, we had a client that we worked with where something similar to what you just described happened because then this happens in business all the time. If you discover a blue ocean, which you did, and you become very successful in it, people are going to say, Ooh, I want some of that pie, right? I'm going to yeah. come in and encroach upon that space. It's inevitable. 
Uh, the only way that doesn't happen is if you don't do anything amazing. So it's like, eh, I'd rather do amazing and have to deal with the vultures than do nothing and not have anybody notice me. So these people will come in when you prove a market and they'll try to pick away at it, attack you and simultaneously steal from you the best ideas while doing it. This is the nature of the game. It just is what it is. Having the wherewithal to stand through it is really powerful and not compromise your ideals, which ultimately in, in the war of attrition will win you the game. The other thing that we used to do with clients though in this situation, very similar to yours, we'd say, listen, here's the deal. Because theirs is so cheap. So like we were selling this product that was like three grand and the competition was like 50, 40, 30, 20 bucks. Everybody else was, right? So we're a yeah. hundred times, we're, we're 20 to a hundred times more than everybody else. So this is how I would sell it. I'd say, listen, here's the deal. I just want you to get the result. Whether you get it from me or you get it from these guys, I don't care. So just do me a favor. Just spend an extra 60, 70, 80 bucks on the rest of them. Try them all out. Keep the one you like. And if it ain't me, I'll reimburse you for whatever else you bought. That's how right. confident that I am that we are the superior solution here, right? So we didn't like get in a drag race with them. They attacked us. We just sidestepped it. We said, listen, buy them too. Buy all of us, put us all to the test. <laughs> and by the way, if we don't win, just show me the receipts and I'll, re I'll compensate you back. Because listen, I don't, I don't want you to buy my product. I want you to get this result. I don't want you to get a cute looking draw shot video. I want you to have a clearer message. I want it to have more impact, et cetera, et cetera. I right? love you know? that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. want you to buy my product. I want you to get results. Yeah, I don't want you to buy a draw shot video. Is that the conversation we're having here? And so I've, I've done right. this service. I want you to have a message so crystal clear that even the person with a million thoughts bouncing around their demented brain will stop it in their tracks and be unable to ignore you and understand what you do at a glance in a second, no matter how complicated it is. That's what I want to do. Now, we get there with the draw shot video, but ultimately, I want that for you. So if you want to try these software out there and you want to try this guy on Fiverr from Pakistan that also kind of does that, let's just put them all to the test. I love that. Oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> so There's good. Drama. You got to play with drama. Now, let me get back to the real estate example real quick while it's fresh on my mind here. So there's the, here's the point to this. The, the larger point is this. When we discovered the home buyer experience was lackluster, we analyzed all the reasons why. And it was 16 hours of research if it wasn't more, right? And we determined all kinds of problems that people had that led them to make a bad decision, either their own problems when they were buying their first house or the agent's problems, who was the person servicing them, Okay. So now we know the challenges. We know how to solve those challenges. We know we've already anticipated every issue that they will have along the way. So now we craft a webinar. The webinar is, I don't know, 176 slides, something ridiculous like that, right? And the webinar isn't be, you know, have me be your agent. The webinar is here are the mistakes that most first-time home buyers make when they go to buy a home. Here are the challenges that they face. Here are the things that they say that they learn later that they wish they would have known sooner. Here are some tips on how to pick an agent because most people just say, oh, my brother-in-law's friend's neighbor's dog's cousin is an agent. You should go with them, right? You know, so we teach them throughout this process and it's a long process. It's about, a, it's probably like 40 minutes long, right? At yeah. the end of the process, we don't allow them 
to become the agent for her team to become an agent for the person watching the webinar. We make them fill out a form that's like 26 parts. I mean, it's, it, it, it takes you 20 minutes to fill this form out, right? Yeah. Uh, and only then do you have the opportunity, because uh, this form does what's called a reality check analysis. Is it reality what you want and what you can get in your market? Let's figure that out and let's figure out what adjustments, if any, need to be made. And then only then can they talk. Now, here's what's interesting about this summer. Our costs go up 10 times because it's like, a, it's like the little engine that could. It's like we just got to keep going and going and going. But it's like somebody's got to see the end. They got to decide, yes, I want to learn about this because 80% of your market doesn't want to be educated. They don't want to learn anything. They just want to they want to magically get the result without putting in the effort, right? Right. Okay, so we're not going to get them. Maybe, you know, the real estate agent that sells three houses a year, that's what the average agent sells. Maybe they'll get them, right? Uh, easy come, easy go. So we're going to lose them. The people that click through and watch the webinar, we're going to lose some in the first minute, and we're going to lose a lot throughout the next 40 minutes because who has 40 minutes <laughs> to make the biggest purchase of their life at that point in time, right? Right. right but they, they think like that. I don't yeah. have 40 minutes, and then they go watch three hours of like the Desperate Housewives, exactly. right? Exactly. Uh, you know, whatever. So it's about priorities. And then when they get to the end, they say, okay, this is too complicated. This is too much for me. I just want I want to settle for the mediocre result where I could just, you know, my friend's neighbor's uncle sold real estate one time in the 70s. I'm just going to go with them because, you know, we go to the PTA meetings together, whatever, right? So we, we make them fill out a form. Not everybody wants to fill out a form, right? So when this is all said and done, the cost per lead goes up 10 times or up to 40 times even in some instances, right? Yeah. Now, the average commission when they sell the home is $15,000 in that area, Right. So we can buy a lot of leads and still make a profit. But the thing is this, even though the lead cost goes up 10 to 40 times, the value of the client goes up far more than the cost does because that client doesn't come in and say, prove to me how valuable you are and let me argue and resist you every step of the way or get in my own way and make it harder for you to help me, even though I want you to help me, right? That client comes in and says, tell me what I need to do. And I will defer to you under all instances, because I totally understand your superpowers. And I'm like clay in your hands, mold me and do with me what you will. And that operationally, that client is a hundred times easier to work with. And more importantly, oftentimes clients, like I'll give you a great example, like, you know, the weight loss industry works like this is like everybody knows you can't swallow pills and lose weight, you know, doesn't work. Right. I don't know if that's news to you. So does that just shock you that, that revelation I just had? No, it's, it's true. You can't like, I mean, they say, you know, I have a Peloton bike and they say it all the time. You can't outsource the results that you're going to get from eating well and exercising. Yeah, you, you can't, can't just outsource, outsource this and just be like, Oh, we'll just take that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but the, 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 the Garcinia Cambogias and all these other pills, uh, raspberry ketones and whatever the flavor is this. Oh my gosh. Is, yeah. It's a multi-billion dollar industry, right? Yeah. Uh, hope in a, a bottle. Consumers know that that stuff doesn't work yet. They still buy it even though they know it doesn't work. You know, they will hire a trainer and then they won't listen to anything that trainer says, right? Customers want the new outcome 
but they're creatures of habit. I don't mean this in a cynical way. We're all like this in some way, shape, or form, right? I want certain things, but I stubborn and I'm set in my old ways. And even though I try to do better, I somehow still make the same stupid decisions that I've made because I'm used to that. Comfort in what you're familiar with and what you're used to largely dictate your behavior. And it's incredibly hard to break those patterns. And so unfortunately, oftentimes, if you allow the client to come in with the preconceived notions, preconceived biases, habits, their frame, if you will, then even though they pay you for the result, they get in the way of their own result and they blame you as a result, right? Right. Um, You know, like, you know, my friend Tucker Max, he has the company Scribe and he writes all these books for people, right? Yep. People will pay him like $50,000 to write their book and then spend two years not getting him the material to write the book. Yeah. No matter what they do, right? And And I know that pisses him off for the same reason this pisses me off because the more client successes I have, the more money I'm going to make, the easier right. my life becomes. I don't want you to fail. And I'm pissed off that you're failing. I want you to succeed. And so, but by having a more compliant customer, if we set a new frame, the frame isn't, well, this is my old frame of reference. And so I'm going to run everything that you're teaching me that's new through this old frame of reference and resist consciously and subconsciously along the way, right? It's kind of like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm going to take your direction. And because I have no biases, because you've properly educated me in advance, therefore, then I will just conform, which is better for me and better for you. And so that's why your client, one of the many, many reasons why your clients that go through this process, and it doesn't just have to be a webinar, there's a million ways you can do it, but they go through this process. And that's why even though you pay 10 to 40 times as much, you make far more in terms of profit. That client becomes 10 to 20 to 30 times more valuable to you. So, you know, if you paid five bucks before to make 10 bucks, now you'll pay 20 bucks, but you'll make 200 bucks. And I don't know. I mean, like 200 bucks seems like it's a better deal than $40. Yeah, we had to pay a little bit more upfront, but we got a lot more in return. And so once we nail down the client experience and the client sales process internally, now we we go out and we hunt. Because for most people, they will go broke if they have to pay $50 a lead in order to get a, in order to test and try to get a client, right? However, we can get rich paying $200 a lead. And, but the thing is, is like, there's this area, clients who can't pay the bare minimum to get qualified leads, legitimate leads, most of them don't have the margin to do that. Yeah. But if they can get over that hump, then they can be successful, even if they don't improve their business, even if they don't improve their process, simply because the best clients, uh, it costs a lot of money to get to them. The best clients, you have to go through a lot of bad clients and a lot of bad leads to find out what the good leads are. So that's like research and development of advertising. It's like, let's spend a hundred grand to figure out what not to do and then quit doing that. And then what's left, it won't be logical. It won't make sense, but it'll make dollars. So we'll do more of that. And so exactly. we have to be able to burn through a lot of money testing out new lead campaigns and, and new lead generation. But if we are so profitable per customer, we can spend more to test and acquire customers. So we spend more on tests, so it accelerates our success. We spend more to acquire customers, and therefore we have a better position to be where they're at 
and we can silence all these competitors or we can just have more shelf space. And then we can do really, really fun things, which is start advertising in media that doesn't seem to make sense whatsoever. Uh, you know, so it's like Dan Kennedy gives the great example of, you know, he, he, he likes horse races where you put like the, you don't get right on the horse, you get behind it in one of these weird chariot things and run around the track, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and those guys pay, they buy horses and sell horses like crazy. It's like, it's a very rich person hobby, right? Now they go to these horse trading conferences or what are they? I don't even understand this world, but this is the example he gets. There's one jeweler at the conference. The rest of them are selling horse related stuff. So they're all horse vendor, horse industry type of stuff. And then there's one person that sells jewelry there. And what does that person have to do with horses? The answer is nothing. But first of all, everybody there is affluent. And second of all, the, the story Dan tells is when they come home with a horse, the wife says, damn it, I told you not to buy another horse. And then if he can whip out a nice piece of jewelry and say, well, I got this for you too. Then she's like, oh, okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. But that is not obvious. That's not, that's not like, duh, that, that media makes sense. You know, it's, it's, Hey, we can afford to try weird, obscure theoretical ideas because we have the budget to acquire new leads because the breakthroughs never happen in the obvious places because everybody else has already tried them. There's too much noise there. They happen in the unobvious places. Like when I promoted the Amazon training, my best affiliate was not somebody in the digital marketing space. They weren't somebody in the make money online space. They weren't somebody in the biz op space. My best affiliate by far was somebody who taught people how to trade options on the stock market. And what does options trading have to do with learning how to start your own Amazon business? And the answer is not really much of anything, but it didn't matter because we had such a persuasive education, high value first, ask for the sell, far down in the process, second uh, procedure. We were able to test those things out. And then we learned chiropractors. We crushed it with chiropractors. Summer, get it? <laughs> yes, I like it. <laughs> uh, we cracked the code with chiropractors. That's one for you. And what does that have to do with selling Amazon? Yeah, not much. You know, we had, uh, we went to astrology type of list, numerologies, uh, life coaches. None of these were traditional media. We went to the places to fish in the ponds that nobody else was fishing in. And it just so happened that fish that you thought didn't taste very good, I discovered it was a delicacy and I'm the only one fishing for it. But it's speculative. And so you have to be willing to say, listen, we'll probably lose a whole bunch of money in a lot of areas, but if we can lose small and then win big, we're great. But we don't start there. Everybody wants to start there somewhere. That's what drives me nuts. They want to start there. Yeah. Um, they, they, they want to start there and waste all their money. I say go to Atlantic City instead and start gambling. You'll, better. You'll probably have a better ROI, right? Totally. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so good. Okay. So here's, I want to kind of, I want to kind of summarize some of the key takeaways that, that I got from this and then we'll wrap up here. But you know, the big thing that I keep hearing too is, is the patients you do have to, you have to keep testing people. I think expect, you know, these amazing overnight results and that just doesn't happen. You, you have to test like what's, what's going to work. And you do have to have, I mean, if you are making money, you have to put that money back in to test that marketing obviously you're going to get a better lead. The more money that you spend, the better lead that you're going to get for, for me in our business, like, you know, what we were talking about is 
that whole experience really, you know, and this starts in, in the sales process and letting your, your prospect know that it isn't just about them spending their dollars with you. It's about them getting a result and the long the long-term result of that result that they get is the referrals and continued business from them, which makes that $200 that you were talking about compared to the $500 so incredibly worth it. So think about, you know, instead of just always being focused on just the, the new business and the new leads, which is great, think about the quality of that and then how much, what's the lifetime value of that one client that you're going to get. Yeah. And and by the way, take any client that makes you money. So I see this happen all the time. Somebody will come to me and say, you know, my Facebook, I spend $1 and I get $2 back. On YouTube, I spend $1 and I get $1.50 back. And, you know, on this other channel over here, I spend $1 and I get $1.10 back. So therefore, yeah. I quit doing the one that gives me $1.10 back and I quit doing the one that gives me $1.25 back. And I just now do the one that does $1.50 back. I'm like, I'm like, dude, if you want to pick up only $100 bills on the ground and, you know, skip over the 50s and 20s and 10s, I guess you can do that, right? Yeah. Uh, just pick up all of So different media will perform differently and it's not a competition. Anything that's profitable and worthwhile to do, you should do. And so like you might go to 20 different brand shows uh, or 20 different sponsorship opportunities and one of them does incredibly well, like a 10 to one, right? Yeah. The rest of them, you should do like a two to one. So you're like, screw those ones. They suck. They don't really produce. Well, they're still profitable. And as long as they don't tax the resources internally, the opportunity cost doesn't get squandered, right? You would should do all of those, even though some of them will perform better than others. And you shouldn't try to fix that. You're like, well, this one just does this one. It's profitable. We can do it. We have the capacity for it. So therefore, we should do it. Uh, same thing with like mastermind groups. So they know a lot of your business comes from mastermind groups. And so it's kind of like, not you don't have to go to everyone, right? But you're like, hey, what would happen if we sent an employee to another mastermind group that has nothing to do with the mastermind groups that we swim in right now, right? Now we're right. on. And by the way, five out of six of them probably won't do a darn thing. But the one out of six will pay for the other five and leave a big chunk of profit over. And then you can say, okay, are there other ones that are like this? And that's how you can go in, in, in play in that way as well. Strategic alliances, obviously you do that very well. Unfortunately, businesses typically get top heavy. They get really good at one or two or three ways to generate leads and then that, that's all they do. So they're really, the, the people are really good at networking, typically are horrible at paying for advertising. People are wonderful at paying for advertising are horrible typically at strategic alliances. So we want to be more well-rounded. And so that's really the big lesson here too is, but yeah, at the end of the day, start with your existing customers. Yeah. that buy with you to buy more often and to buy more from you, then get them to refer others just like you. Now measure the value increase that you get. Allow that addition, some of that revenue that you've now got that would otherwise not be realized to fund your research and development in the advertising space and start testing different advertising. And ideally, advertising that is service-based first, not buy from me, buy from me, buy from me. But it's like, hey, listen, let me help you understand the differences between people who do well and people who don't do well. And now that you understand the differences, maybe we can have a conversation on how we can work together. Love it. Amazing. Awesome. Shortest half uh, of life. Rapidcrush.com. 
And I'm going to put your information too, if you're like really wanting to get more, more strategy and ideas. And I'm so grateful that you came back to, to talk with me. This is so, so valuable. I love it.